Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. If you are returning to this space, please do take a moment to rate the show or you can head to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, all of which enables more people to find me and for me to connect with more great guests each week for both yours and my enjoyment. If you're new here, welcome and it's great to connect, celebrating you for dedicating your time to self-discovery and reconnection. Our time is our greatest commodity and gift, so thank you for investing it in yourself and sharing it with me. Up on the podcast this week, we have Alex Croxford. Alex is a transformational coach who supports women to heal their relationship issues from the root in order to cultivate deeper connection, inner peace and freedom. Her vision is to break down the protective walls humanity has built around their hearts so that love can rule the world. Mmm, sounds good, right? (laughs) In 2018, Alex found herself in total despair. Beneath the surface of her perfect life, her marriage had started to disintegrate, along with the relationship to her body and well-being. She soon discovered that the problems were not external, but instead deeply rooted within herself, and she set about on a path of deep healing and transformation, peeling back the layers, addressing her core wounds and unprocessed trauma, conditioning and limiting beliefs, and renavigating feminine and masculine energetics. On the other side, she found new love, a new partnership, and a new life path fully aligned to who she truly is and came here to be. The message of her journey is that there is light on the other side of heartbreak and it can be the catalyst to great awakening to loving yourself and others and trusting life again. Alex and I have been connected on Instagram for a long time and one idle morning in Brighton I walked past a cafe and did a double take spotting her inside and retracing my steps to go in and say hi. A beautiful 10 minute synchronicity conversation not hardly long enough to discuss all the things that we had in common and things that I wanted to say, but at least the precursor to us being able to have this conversation that we recorded together to make this episode. Relationships are at the heart of human interaction and connection, but God damn, do we find them hard. It's where we grow and elevate the most and contains the whole rich tapestry of the human experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I love the conversational flow of this episode, Two women who've done a lot of self-discovery and therapy around their own relationship wounding, calling in the love that we both truly desired. In this episode, Alex offers us beautiful wisdom from her own journey, as well as guidance that she offers her clients. Whatever your relationship status, whether you're single, attached, whether it's complicated, this episode is for everybody. Enjoy. All right, lovely. Well, it's so good to record this with you. So thank you so much for being here, sharing all of your magic and wisdom with us. I'm so excited to do this. It's amazing. Awesome. So you are a transformational coach, helping people to heal relationships from the root and create the love life of your dreams. How did you get into this work? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, we've always got a story, haven't we, as coaches? And my story is um, very much ingrained in in the root of my business. Um, So I got married in 2017 within a year of getting married we started to we wanted to have a baby I came off the pill we were like right okay well that's the next thing on the list right I've got the house I had the house had the career I had the husband and now it's like right let's have a baby and I came off the pill to have a baby and my periods were all over the shop like I I could we couldn't get pregnant because my periods were completely one one month there were 70 days the next day the next month there were 40 days and it started to send me into a spiral of like 
oh my god who am I like my body can't do what I need to do and things at the same time started to unravel in my marriage it was almost like this perfect veneer that I had kind of created in my in my world had started to 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 come crashing down um at the same time I also realized that I was struggling with an eating disorder that my that my relationship with food and exercise wasn't right so I it was kind of like this like coming together of the infertility the marriage and understanding that perhaps I actually had an unhealthy relationship with my own body and food I I realized I had to get some help I didn't know where to turn I was like I don't feel like I needed a a therapist I I didn't know what to do anyway I found a coach on Instagram it was like the universe just presented this woman to me and I, I didn't know why but I felt really called to work with her I booked in this this one-on-one session bearing in mind I had never done any work on myself I had never seen a therapist people would always say to me oh you're the most together person I know you're so mentally strong I thought that myself but in this one hour of this this kind of discovery call with this coach it was like I was the most seen I'd ever been and it was like she just saw straight straight into my soul and was reflecting back things to me that had never been reflected back and I started to see, wow, okay, I realized that I was, and I, I realized this before I had this session with her, which is why I did it. But I realized that I was bringing the problems to this relationship with my husband. I felt like I was a bad person. I was doing wrong. Like I knew that I needed to look at myself. And so I was like, okay, somebody needs to, somebody needs to help me because whatever I'm doing, it, it's not, it's not working. So yeah, and then that that was really the beginning of a of a five year journey into myself and what I call the grand unraveling. Really, like everything that I thought myself to be turns out they were just survival mechanisms. They weren't actually who I was, and I'd created this very armored version of me, which was keeping a lot of people away when I actually wanted all I wanted was to be loved I couldn't I couldn't let love in and that's what I really started to unravel in this in this five-year journey and so after after going on this journey and 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 realizing how powerful it was to start to get to the root of why I wasn't able to let love in and why the issues in my marriage weren't because I was a bad person but they were because I was coming from a wounded place that 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 needed love and needed care and needed attention. And I've been on a, a journey of which way do I want to take my coaching business? And it's just like landed so clearly for me that I need to help women in the same way that I was helped back then because the patterns of relationships I was finding myself in, I was suddenly seeing like, oh my God, every boyfriend I've been, you know, and I lived with a lot of guys like <laughs> I was a serial monogamist I'd go from one relationship we'd live together we'd break up then I'd live with and then a year later I'd be moving into somebody else you know it was very much like that I needed to look at me I was the common denominator and so this is what I want to give to other women is the empowering dawning realization that actually we have the power to transform the relationships that we have we can't just keep changing the furniture around and expecting things to get better we have to deal with the massive gaping the hole in the floor before we can start moving the furniture around so that's how I ended up here because I just think that the best thing that ever happened to me was me having to face my own shit I love that use of the phrase the common denominator because that for me 
was exactly the terminology that I used when I came out of my last relationship and kind of Mm -hmm. took a step back and was like, okay, the common denominator amidst all of these breakups and these patterns is lo and behold, myself. (laughs) And took me on this journey to unraveling all sorts of things to now be in a position to be in the relationship that I am now in. Mm -hmm. You know, a deeply committed relationship beyond what I previously experienced or could have even conceived of. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in your perspective on this. Why Uh do you feel as a society, we are so bad at relationships? By which I mean, you know, the divorce rate's very high. Most people, I would say on average, experience quite a lot of dis-ease or difficulty or challenges in their relationships. Why, when relationships essentially, when they're central to human behavior, to our needs, to procreation, Mm -hmm. why do we collectively seem to struggle so much? Oh my God, there's so many things I can talk about (laughs) here, but I want to talk about them all. So I'm just trying to remember them. Well, the, the, the first thing is I think that actually as a human, as a race, like human beings were not ever designed. Like if you think about millennia ago when human beings first existed, we were not designed to be locked up in a house with one other person with all of the stresses of the modern world, trying to afford enough money to pay London prices or wherever we're living, you know, making sure that we're getting promotions at work, making sure the kids are at every single after school club and, you know, record a lesson that they need to be in, making sure that we're like keeping up with the Joneses, having a social, like there is so much pressure on top of suddenly two human beings now in a house on their own, potentially with children, trying to create a happy living situation. and that in itself is as unnatural like back in the day we would have been surrounded by the village and by our elders and we would have had kids very very young we would have had kids you know 16 18 and our elders would have helped us bring those children up would have helped us be in that familial system you know kind of keeping us in line whilst you know and and the the woman would only really be able to be in her feminine as she was kind of nurturing the baby and looking after whilst the whilst the man was very much hunter gatherer provider as we've moved into the modern world and and modern society we're, we're kind of trying to fit into a box that doesn't necessarily work for human beings in the way that they interrelate when we then we end up in these brick containers and we are coming from two very different examples of what relationships look like you know you grew up with your family and the only way that we get to see or we get to understand what relationship looks like is by watching our parents they are literally like the blueprint for our relationship patterns you know one of our relationship patterns and so you're coming from your family where maybe shouting was really acceptable in your house maybe shouting maybe swearing maybe even the silent treatment maybe your parents were really really affectionate to each other or perhaps they were super independent so they never saw each other and then you've got your partner who comes from their conditioning of what a family looks like and what a relationship looks like which may completely not fit in with what your version of a relationship looks like so the first thing is we're coming from our own conditioning of what of what we think a relationship should look like but very rarely do we actually sit down and say to our partner so what does what does being in a relationship look like to you like how much time 
do you want to spend with me you know is, is it like two or three nights a week do you like to have spent time on your own you know it's just like actually being able to have this very open communication about what a relationship really looks like to two different people like I remember before I got married me and my ex-husband never sat down and said what does marriage look like to you what does it look like to be married and that I think is one of the most it should be the question that we're asking not what color should we have the wedding invites do you know what I mean like the the, the 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 focus of the marriage is becomes on the wedding, not on the life that we're creating and having conversations about where we're both coming from and, and our view of what a relationship looks like. And then on top of that, we are all we're coming from our own wounding. And what I say what I mean by wounding is is trauma. And I mean trauma comes from the Greek word meaning wound. And you know, we often think about trauma as only the big traumas like a car crash, sexual abuse, um, natural disaster. But actually, as I'm sure that you're very aware, trauma is any moment, tiny moment in time in which there was a moment of separation between mother and child normally, it could be father and child too, in which that child realises that what comes with this depth of love and trust is also potential heartbreak. And that wound, however smaller moment it may have seen it may have seemed it could have been didn't get picked up from school one day it could have been I wasn't heard when my mum I was asking for my mum one day but I felt like they didn't ever see me because I always had to be the perfect A-star student it it can be something as small as that because to the child they don't know oh, this is small trauma then the child isn't thinking well you know this isn't big trauma so I can't make this mean something about me like whatever happened in that moment that child makes it mean something about them and then that becomes a story that wound then becomes a story which might be I don't matter or I'm a disappointment or I'm never heard or I'm not good enough and whatever that story might be and every single human being carries a story there is actually no one who's got away with this we carry that story through our lives all the way through our lives because we are effectively just big children dressed as adults and that wound that story keeps playing out time and time and time again and it will keep proving itself to you it will keep proving yourself that oh I don't matter see I've got another boyfriend who you know doesn't spend any time with me because because actually like he doesn't love me and da 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 and until we can start to become aware of our own wounds and our own stories and our own patterns, we will be creating that same dynamic that we had, like potentially with our with our mother, we will be playing that out and that story out in our relationship over and over, which is why you find you always end up arguing about the same thing. It's what it's bringing up in you, it's what it's bringing up in that child, in that inner child, effectively. So if you've got two people that are coming from wounds, they're just going to keep butting up against each other until we can finally be like, actually, let, let's look. Let's look inwards and see where this, is, where this is really coming from. I think a lot of relationships end much sooner than they potentially should because, because we're blaming the outside all the time. Mm, yeah. 
So what we're talking about here is using these patterns as signposts for where we need to heal and invitations to transform. Really taking ownership of our patterns instead of feeling victim to them. And perhaps the biggest blanket blaming of external forces is, and I have definitely said this before myself in the past before I did this work, I always pick the wrong men. And surely you've probably, I mean, maybe you've said it before, maybe you've heard it, and I hear it all the time. And I'm sure that many people listening can identify with that. So can we just explore this as a concept, as a pattern in itself of always picking the wrong people? Yeah. And in fact, they're not exactly the wrong person, are they? Because they're the right person for the subconscious programming that we're running or the thing that we're trying to heal, the wound that we have going on. So can you talk about reframing that concept? Yes. Now, interestingly, I was doing a live the other night and one of um, the my followers asked me, how do I stop attracting these men with these patterns? And I was like, babe, it's not, it's not the men that have got the patterns. Like you, you, I'm really sorry, but it's your pattern. And uh, we were really laughing about it, but I think it really depends on what wound we've got. But yeah, we're normally, we are trying to unconsciously heal the original wound that we had with our mothers or, or fathers with the partner that we've we've called in. And so it's all very, very in our in our unconscious. So for example, I can talk about myself. It's the easiest thing to do. My biggest story was that I didn't matter. So what I every partner that I managed that I've had, you know, I had three long-term relationships, all of which I lived with there was something that was going on in their lives, huge things that were going on in their lives, which meant that I felt like I didn't matter. Like one of my ex-boyfriends had two children. So he was very much like having to go, you know, spending a lot of time with his with his children all the time. Another one was studying for four years of, of our relationship and worked in a job that was very intense. So it was like, these were a perfect, this was a perfect scenario me to feel like I didn't matter and that they didn't really love me and that they didn't really care about me but the thing is is I had called that in unconsciously because when I was a very small child like my parents were very very busy running their own business and there was a I've done a regression on this like I, I remember the moment where and there was probably others where they were very busy and I made a decision in that moment that I didn't matter like because they were they were so busy doing other things that surely the narcissistic child children are very narcissistic they they think that the whole world revol- revolves around them so surely if they're doing that that's just because i don't matter not because actually they just they just have to do what they've got to do and so i my whole life was unconsciously even creating friendships in which i felt like i didn't matter i even worked in a career in which uh, in TV production for 20 years and um, without going into too much of the minutiae, you have the side of, of television production where everyone's getting the awards and like, the, you know, the producers and the directors. And then you have the side of the production, which is all the business end, which is like, you know, budgets and insurance and logistics. We don't matter, you know, like we don't matter. The other, the, but I'd found myself again, I'd managed to find myself in a, even in a career where I felt like I didn't matter. And so the story is so, so strong and it feels so real until we start to become conscious. Oh, 
shit, that's my, this is my story that's playing out again here. I can see that this trigger inside of me, like this big emotional reaction that I'm having is because the story is being activated, not because actually of what's happening in front of me. Like when my ex-husband and I were trying to repair our marriage, I remember one specific night, I mean, this happened quite a lot, but there was one specific night where we made a date and it was very important to me because we were trying to repair and we made this time. And, and you know, he had got sidetracked with what he was doing and he turned up half an hour late and he hadn't messaged me and hadn't told me. And it triggered this like huge anxiety inside of me because it was just like, I thought that he didn't care. I was like, well, you clearly don't care about, you know, you don't care. Of course, in real life, that's not what that meant. That's not, but that's the story that I made it mean because that is where I'm coming from. It's all about where we're coming from and we all come from our story. So when we're coming from our story, we basically make it all mean, everything that's happening to us, we make it fit with the story. And at the same time, we're also energetically attracting people, situations and things to prove the story. And until we can until we can start to see the story, until we almost shift where we're standing, like we shift our perspective and be able to w- almost witness ourselves in a different way, that story is, will have such a grip on us. We can't see it. It's a blind spot basically. Mm. And what I'm hearing here is acknowledging our part, acknowledging our responsibility, is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Which invites humility and looking at ourselves very curiously, but also something that can be very liberating and empowering. Would you say that there is a lot of responsibility in really getting to the root of what is going on for us in these patterns? Oh, huge huge amounts of self-responsibility and you know it's it's what people call shadow work it's like looking at your own shadow and and understanding that actually like you're just a human being and you're not perfect and everybody has a shadow side and everybody has a, a part of themselves that they've been desperately trying to hide their entire lives because you don't want to show that part of yourself for fear of losing love or fear of rejection but we can't hide it forever and the more that we try and hide it the more that we repress it the more it's it it's just desperate to come out and so yeah in answer to your question there is a huge amount of self-responsibility and and it's quite scary to actually look at your own stuff because you don't know what you're going to find. And I think that does put a lot of people off. Because they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like, and it's, but that's not empowering. And, and, and actually always blaming others, always blaming the guys being the problem. That's just giving your power away. Like that's, that's the power is being able to own it and be like, wow, okay, here I am. And again, you know, finding myself in that pattern, finding myself in that wound and attracting the same kind of guy, attracting the guy that cannot love me in the way that I want to be loved because I don't believe that I'm lovable. Like that was a huge, that's a huge one. Like I'll attract a guy that, you know, when people say, oh, there's only shit men out there or everyone's so shit. It's like, there aren't, there are good men. There are bad men. Well, not bad. I don't like that. There are good men 
there are more wounded men, there are good women, there are more wounded women, you know, like, there's, it's, it's more about, we can't keep blaming the other person, because the reason that you're attracting men who keep treating you like shit is because you believe that you deserve that in some unconscious way. You believe that you're not deserving of open-hearted love. I remember my um, therapist when I was in the depths of hell was talking to me about, you know, imagine what it would feel like to be, you know, for open-hearted love, like imagine. And I was just like, I literally can't imagine. I can't imagine what it feels like to give and receive love in such a wholehearted way. Like I couldn't, and as I said, don't get me wrong, I'd been in three really long-term relationships. It wasn't that I'd been single my whole life, but it's like all I knew was love at a distance. And that's not their fault. That's not the men's fault. That's because my heart was so closed. I had so much armor around it to protect me that no one could get close to it anyway. And that's one of the, that's a huge wound that so many women carry, so many. And men too, we have closed hearts because at some point in our childhood, something happened, potentially we were smacked, potentially we were, I don't know, a parent could have had an affair, like anything like that. The heartbreak leads Mm. to a a closing. Yeah. And so how can anybody love you at that depth when when you're you're not open to it, you know? Mm. And we spoke about this before that actually there is so much vulnerability in not only choosing to love somebody fully, but allowing ourselves to be loved fully, you know, allowing ourselves fully to be to be fully open to receive is such a big thing. And, you know, I I remember there was one session that I did during a group course where it was love is dot, dot, dot fill in the blank and my hand just wrote is not available to me and I was like right well that's going to act like a block isn't it (laughs) but consciously that was not something that I felt you know if someone had said to me oh do you think that love's available to you I'd be like yeah of course cognitively I knew that but there was a part of me deep down a wounded part of me that on some level didn't think that it was possible didn't think that it was available didn't think I was worthy of it And what that brings up for me as well is, you know, on the theme of responsibility, because when we say, you know, take responsibility for your, you know, wounds and use them as catalysts, it's like it's it's very different from blaming yourself. Right. Because all of this stuff comes from a wounded part of ourselves, you know, a part of ourselves that wants to protect ourselves, a part that's trying to keep ourselves safe, a part that doesn't think that we're worthy, a part that is so desperately yearning for love that we will invite anyone into our heart. You know, it comes from yeah. a part of us that is desperate for love, desperate for connection and de- and desperate to stay safe. Yeah. And some of the patterns that some people might have had in relationships might have been deeply traumatic. You know, perhaps picking partners where there is physical or mental or emotional abuse. So I feel like it's really important to separate responsibility from blame because ultimately what we're getting at here is empowering yourself as opposed to blaming. So I feel like that's really important to see this responsibility through a lens of compassion 
as well. And, you know, I'll give an example here. After my last breakup, working with a therapist, I identified a pattern where I was going out with guys who ultimately wanted to heal in some kind of way. And I stepped into this trying to fix rescuer kind of role, you know, let's heal together. (laughs) But the shadow aspect of that for me was that it made me feel needed and being needed made me feel safe. And it was such a big thing for me to work through, you know, when I met my partner, because actually he didn't need me. He just wanted me. And for me Mm -hmm. to feel safe with somebody who just wanted me and for me to trust that in without any of the parameters, well, this person is literally, I can hook them into being with me and therefore I feel (laughs) safe. That for me, I was like, oh my God, that is so ugly. I've just brought people into my life that I can just feel safe with by them needing me. I was like, God, that's like icky and gritty. Like Megan, that's full on. And there was an aspect of that that was like me taking responsibility and doing the work myself around that. But then also seeing that compassionately, because even though it's like, it can, we can see it as being like gritty, ugly. It's like, wow, there is a part of me that feels so unsafe that I just need to make myself feel needed. I was like, that part of me deserves so much like compassion, right? Completely. And that's it. And I, yeah, it's really, I'm so glad you've mentioned that because it's not about self-blame. It's not about like, oh, I'm so messed up that I, you know, I'm the bad one. Because again, that's just story. That's just piling it Mm -hmm. on and piling it on and piling it on. And it is, it's like, having compassion for that part of yourself that needed to feel needed in order to feel safe. Like that poor little girl, that little girl that needed, like didn't believe that she was, that she was lovable as she was. She had to give and give and give and give and rescue in order for somebody to love her. And, you know, it was like very similarly for, it made me think about um, how I was just unable to say how I felt. Like I literally could not speak my truth. Like I could not, share what was really truly going on with me because I was so afraid that if I that if I spoke up that I was going to be told off or that I was going to be you know unloved or that I was going to be you know rejected and that there is um the vulnerable part of me the rejection the fear of rejection was so so strong but I felt so rejected in in various relationships and I and I've had and I had to understand that I was starting I was actually unconsciously manipulating we do this a lot I was unconsciously manipulating situations in order not to be rejected and that was by not speaking my truth so Mm -hmm. it was like if I stay quiet if I don't then then they will still love me if I don't actually share, if I create this perfect veneer around me, everything looked perfect, I had the perfect hair, the perfect body, I had a husband, a house in East London, I had the successful career in television. It was like I had it like nailed. But mm. there was so such a fear of vulnerability. There was such a fear of really truly being seen for this messy human because the little girl had been rejected at one point for being that messy human. So she shut it down. And so it's like, yeah, I had to see that darkness. I had to see that, like, oh, that manipulation. Like, oh, that is icky. But also have compassion for 
for the little girl that was trying to stay in was trying to stay safe was trying to stay attached was trying to stay loved because at the end of the day like when we're children human children are they're the only mammals who cannot survive without the adult mammal so we would unless we were held by an adult unless we were fed by an adult we would die like baby gazelles or whatever they come out of the womb and then yeah okay they could feed but they can stand up they can walk they don't need to be held so for a human child attachment to the adult is the most important thing because we will die if we don't stay attached we will die and so we basically create these patterns of attachment so that we don't lose the attachment and we die so mm. those attachment wounds stay with us like we talked about like need, needing to be needed you know not speaking your truth because that's how we stayed attached as children and then that's how we learn to stay attached as adults yeah yeah and in maintaining that attachment we will sacrifice everything including our authenticity so it's so important for us to stay attached because it means survival everything else is secondary so everything that you've said in terms of not expressing needs you know just going along with things all of that is around well I just have to stay attached so everything else can just be put to the side and then we wonder why as adults we're like oh I feel like there's something missing or I feel like I'm not yeah. myself or, you know, I've got all of the things, but actually I'm not feeling like, you know, the together person that everyone is saying that they perceive mm -hmm. me as. Yeah. Okay. So when you've identified a pattern, what next? Well, I would say you've identified a pattern. Great. You can see, okay, cool. There's something like I'm attracting this kind of guy or I'm seeing, I feel like this a lot in relationships. The first thing I would say is take some take some paper and a pen and really ask yourself what what is what what is this serving? What is this pattern actually serving? What is what am I getting out of being in this pattern? How is it keeping me, you know, oh yeah, it feels good being needed, for example. Like you might be able to get to the problem with that. And then it's like, ah, okay, it feels good to feel needed okay and then it's like and self-reflection it's like okay when I was a child was there a parent that wasn't particularly available to me all the time perhaps an alcoholic parent perhaps a parent that was really busy at work perhaps a parent that was not emotionally available and so it's like okay so so then how did it benefit me as a child what did I have to do in order to be seen by by my parent or my parents and you might be able to find a correlation between something that was going on with you as a child and something that's happening now in, in your in your adult relationship mm. I will say it's very hard to see your own blind spots like they're blind mm. spots for a reason you know you're we are life is happening through us based on what our stories on our conditioning on our on our wounds so it's very hard to see your own it's like you can't see your own eyeballs you know like it's literally where it's literally where you're coming from and so working with a coach is a really you know powerful way because they're able to hold up a mirror and be like mm. okay let's talk about you know this is a pattern that's occurring in, in adult life let's go back and see where this may have this may have stemmed from in your childhood sometimes we can get to it ourselves but 
it's it's hard it's quite hard I don't know whether that's your been your experience too yeah absolutely you know so much of this is so unconscious it's so built into the way that we live out the world that we see the world our nervous system the way that we experience and feel in the world so it's kind of hiding in plain sight but it is hiding (laughs) so for me doing a lot of subconscious and somatic working with the body doing a lot of that work has also really really accelerated that transformation so for me eft has been immensely transformational for another friend of mine hypnosis but working with the mind working with the body working with the nervous system That's been really key for me in all of this. And I do a lot of self-inquiry, but regardless of how good we are at self-inquiry, you know, having that mirror from somebody else to reflect back to us. I've been coaching for a long time and yet my relationships was definitely a blind spot. And And it's where our huge wounding plays out. You know, our relationships is the big stuff, right? And, you know, I actually... I wanted to speak to my therapist about my work and I kept turning up every session being like, I'm just so pissed off because I want to speak to you about my work, but I'm actually here talking again about a man. And she was like, but Megan, this is the work. All the stuff that's blocking you in any other area of um, area of your life, it's here. Like this is the stuff because it's everything touches everything. And like you said, it's like, it's the lens through which we see the world. So it affects absolutely everything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it's relationships are our biggest teachers. Like they're not meant mm. to be the thing that completes us. They're not meant to be the thing that makes us whole. Your partner isn't the person that's meant to make you happy. Your partner is going to mm. trigger the absolute shit out of you because they are there to mirror a part of you that is still wounded, that still mm. needs love, that still needs healing. Like me and my current partner, like we have such an amazing relationship, but there is one, I can see it happening. Like there's this one argument that we keep having and it's not even an argument. It's just a conversation that's very uncomfortable. And it's like, it's because, but I know having done this work for so long, that that's because that's coming from my wounds. That is coming from my, mm. my belief that I am bad and that I carry so much shame he's also coming from his wound uh, you know and and so it's only from having done this work that I know okay we're just two children in that moment who are actually feeling very disconnected but really all we all we want is connection but mm. you know and so it's I can't actually remember what your original question was <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent no no I'm oh, enjoying the tangent can't remember okay, fine. <laughs> it's just it's like you the power comes when you start to realize, okay, in this argument that's happening right now, in this d- heated discussion or this uncomfortable discussion, how much can I actually inquire about what's going on for my partner rather than going straight into the defensive, which again is coming from the wounded child place because it's like I need to instantly protect myself so that I don't lose love. And that can look different from for every for every single person, but it's it's understanding that every single person and every single relationship is there for you to grow and for you to heal a part of yourself. And I think I not you know you said to me earlier, what's the reason people keep breaking up? I think that another reason is that we have this 
Disney ideal of what relationships should look like and be like. And that's not what they're here for. They're here because at some point there was potentially some soul contract that we made before we incarnated that we needed to calm down and we needed to heal this mm. this wound. And mm. and I, you know, even my ex-husband, I have no regrets for marrying him. I have none because if I hadn't have done it, it's, it's actually amicable. We went through hell, but it's amicable now. And if if I hadn't have married him, I would not be here where I am now. Like, mm. I mean, maybe I would. Maybe I would have found another way to dissolve my entire life and start again. <laughs> but I think, you know, I am so grateful for that because through that absolute torture and pain, I woke up. Mm. And and, it, and I, I, that's where it's like empowering. And when we go through life being like, oh, he's a prick or he let me down or he's a wanker. And like, it's, how is that help? How is that helping you? Like, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of some very powerful experiences I've had out of breakups and out of dating. You know, one where my mid twenties, I was in a relationship which, more or less destroyed me so significantly that I was like, fuck, I need, I need to really sort myself out here. And I went on a silent meditation retreat. And at the end, I was like crying tears of gratitude because I was like, wow, if I hadn't have been so broken by that, I don't think I would have been here right now. As in, I'm sure I would have done further down the line, but it just kind of cracked me cracked me open let's say and got me to that point where I was like wow if I hadn't been so broken by this I wouldn't now be able to open myself up as fully as I am and in my last after my last breakup I had this moment where I took myself on a walk and I was heartbroken and I really made this commitment to myself of if it's just me forever and there's nobody else and I'm not in this you know perfect partnership that society paints that we should have and it's just me that will be enough like me- really made this commitment my life will be complete without the picture perfect thing i have my work mm. i have my friends i have my passions and the whole world that we get to experience you know life is incredible without being in this picture perfect relationship and from that start point of feeling fully enough fully whole fully complete I was then able to, funnily enough, step into the relationship which I'm now in, where I feel met on a totally different level. But coming at it, coming at it from this place of I'm already full, whole and complete within myself. And now I find somebody who's also full and complete by themselves. And then together, you reach this new state of completion. Yeah. Oh. That's so true. It's so beautifully put, and it's so true. Like I, I had to after the marriage breakdown for me, I went back into very old patterns, which was, oh well, I'm just going to have fun. And loads of people do this when they come out of marriages. Like we are, you know, when you come out of a long term relationship or, or a, a marriage, like you are like a wreck, <laughs> and trying to clamber onto anything to almost pull you out of that like hell. And I went back into old patterns, which is drinking, taking drugs and um, having casual relationships with 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 men. And I kind of was trying, you know, I'd been on this self-love journey to a point um, while I've been doing all this work. But, you know, but that for me consisted of 
eating a healthy diet, you know, letting go of my eating disorder, letting go of my exercise addiction, um, meditating, doing more yoga, connecting to nature. Like I've done all these like self-love on the surface stuff. But what I what happened to me after I came out of the marriage was I fell very quickly into a stupid situation. Anyway, nothing stupid. I learned huge lessons from it. But I got myself into a, a situationship with a guy that I should not have been I should not have been seeing. And that ended up in sexual um, assault and STI and harassment. And then you'd think that I would have learned from that. But then even after that, I started dating again way too, way too quickly because I was still trying to fill up this, you know, pain and this hole inside of me. And the whole time, not realizing that I was still really abandoning myself. Like this wasn't self-love. Having casual relationships with guys that I don't know well enough, that is not loving for myself. That is actually the opposite of loving for myself. And we live in this culture where it's like, you know, casual sex and women can, you know, behave like men. And I used to I used to believe that. I'd be like, oh, how could you, you know, we should be able to have sex with whoever we want. We could and if that's your bag, that's your bag. There is no judgment. But what I learned in that experience was for me, that was not loving. That was not loving myself. And I had to get to a point where I was um like I was like crying in the shower one morning because I slept with this guy and I was just like what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I have to commit to, I have to commit to my loving myself fully if I really want to call somebody in who's going to love me. And that, in that moment, I chose to become celibate. I was like, that is it. No one, I'm having sex with nobody until there is a really deep connection. And I truly trust this, this man is here for me more than just for sex. Like they want to, they love, want to love me for my heart. But I had to really make that commitment, just like you did, of loving, like really loving myself and risking, like you risked not needing to be needed. I risked not being, not not giving my body away, thinking that was the way that I would, uh, you know, get, snare a man. I had to be like, no, like I had to trust that I had enough going on way beyond my body way beyond sex for somebody to actually love me and meet me at that level that I was loving myself and in doing that I then met my current partner who was also on a a celibacy journey it was honestly like the universe was like (laughs) okay okay but then I was going away for for four months um to Mexico City I'd already booked my flights I was going away and I had and and we spent six months just speaking on the phone, just getting to know each other. We'd been on a couple of dates before, but we hadn't had sex because we were both on a celibacy journey. And you know, when I came back from from my travels, was when we were we able to, you know, we did commit physically to each other. But it was like I had to commit to really truly loving myself mm. in order to vibrationally attract, energetically attract somebody else who could match who could match that yeah this is making me think about self-abandonment it was something that I thought about a lot after my last breakup I'm absolutely obsessed with Mark Groves create the love like I I don't know if you watch yeah perfect I watched I binged him so hard after my last I was like watching him like oh crying heartbroken (laughs) 
but he talks a lot about self-abandonment and he was like yeah. when you break up with somebody and you kind of take off the rose-tinted glasses you can actually look very strategically back through your relationship and look out look out for the moments that you self-abandoned because we often get to the end of relationships and think you know oh I didn't really see that coming or like it shouldn't have ended like that or it shouldn't have you know it ended prematurely or you know whatever and actually when we look back there are so there's so many times that we that we gave our power away or we made something okay when it actually wasn't and where you felt that like intuitive like no no no, this is what I need and actually you settled for something way less so I really love this theme of self-abandonment and I feel like when we can look at our relationships you know for the patterns and for where we abandoned ourselves it creates the red flags that we would look out for in the next one you know when that when we're dating someone and you know the similar thing happens it's like oh okay I actually know that I don't want to abandon myself in the same way this is something that's really important for me so I feel like self-abandonment and actually just being really discerning with our past relationships to really look at what those red flags were is a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this guy that I dated straight out of my relationship, it was like bunting. It was just like red bunting <laughs> that, I was, that I was running into. I don't know what I've, but I think, um, I think around the self-abandonment conversation, I self about most of us, in fact, all of us mm. self abandon because we have a wound mm. that believes we're not worthy of love or that we, ha- as we are. So we have to give up a part of ourselves in order yeah. to be loved and we can't show all of ourselves in order to be loved. So it's actually quite hard to recognize or, or shift from a place of self abandonment because you don't you it's it's a blind spot like we don't even know that we're doing we're so programmed to believe that we're not worthy as we are that we have to like I had a my relationship one 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 relationship I mean god knows what I was thinking but I look back with compassion at that that 20 something year old version of me I was in a relationship where for four over four years it's kind of on and off a bit for four years where I I felt that the whole time. I the whole time I felt like something's off, something's off, something's off, something's off. And we would try and have a conversation about it, but it would be like it would be a fight. And then I'd I'd keep my mouth shut. I didn't want to have a fight. I'd abandon myself. I'd abandon how I was really feeling. I, you know, I read loads of self-help books. I was reading like Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. Like I I could I really wanted to like be in this relationship looking back I'm not sure why um but you know again a, a fear of being alone really the attachment was more important than, than anything else but yeah I I abandoned myself fully for that full four years and in the end it turned out that he had been sleeping with his ex-girlfriend the whole time that we had that we had been together and when I came out of that relationship I was I blamed him entirely I was like, you know, ranting and raving about him. All of my friends, you know, despised him. But I never, at that point, you know, this was many, many years ago, but I was not in a position to start to look at how I had contributed to this situation because I I had. Like, I energetically attracted that and I, I was abandoning myself so much, not speaking my truth, not listening to my intuition, not, you know, 
doing everything to make sure that he was okay. I mean, there was space wide open for him to go and to go and have an, an affair like that. And so I've forgiven him completely. Like, cool. Like he came from his wounding, you know, and thank God that relationship did end. But, you know, even when they're, and this is really hard. To, I know how hard this is to hear for people. And I, so I do understand that. But even when there is betrayal, even when there are affairs in 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 relationships, the there is some responsibility on the on the person that was betrayed as well, because this does not happen in a vacuum. And in somewhere, maybe there was an inability to be um, like maybe it wasn't safe for the person who had the affair to speak their truth. And when I say safe, I don't mean that you're going to get hit. I mean there wasn't emotional safety within within the relationship. And this is a very, as I said, this is a very challenging thing for people for people to hear. And, you know, because of societal conditioning and because of religion, you know, we doom anybody that has had, you know, an affair, like they are the worst person in the world. But but even in those situations, we have to be able to look at how we co-created that situation mm. as well. Mm. I love that word co-creation in regards to relationships Mm -hmm. can you speak to that what does it mean to actually co-create a relationship if you imagine like two balls of energy that are now like merging together like being in the same space we're we're creating something else together you've got you you've got the other and then you've got what your the relationship which is almost the third entity and you're both creating this third entity together and and from that is where things start to either go wrong or go right. And it really depends on like, you know, we have to feed our relationships. We have to give them love. We have to give them time. We have to give them attention. We have to, just like we would water a garden, we have to water our relationships. And if that means that we have to do the work to to get to the root of why we keep having the same argument, then do the fucking work to get to the root of why you keep having the same argument. You know, if you need to get to the root of why you're not having sex, stop pretending that you're not having sex. Talk about it. And 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 I understand how difficult that is if you have a wound that you can't speak your truth. But Jesus Christ, like you have an opportunity to save your marriage and you are co-creating the end of that relationship by not speaking your truth and not saying, I really want to have, I really wish we were having more physical intimacy. I really miss being physical intimate with you. I love, you know, what you're talking about there is a real sense of intentionality. Mm -hmm. And it's something that my relationships have become more conscious, lo and behold, when I've communicated more, but also when we have brought more intentionality into the relationship. And I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast. I mean, I I love her, absolutely obsessed with Mm -hmm. her. And so she was talking about, you know, things that she does with her husband that co-creates the relationship, which is actually you know, sitting down and saying, you know, on a weekly, bi-weekly basis of what do you feel that you've done well at? What do you feel I've done well at? And what would you like more of? And having that intentionality around like continually co-creating the relationship Mm. outside of, you know, you're not doing enough of this. I want more of that. It's actually like, well, what would make this like more expansive for us to experience? But for me, that's, it's having this intentionality 
around what we're trying to co-create together yes completely and again because of what Disney's shown us or the movies and what films have just shown us that the only thing that we need in a relationship is love it's it's crap like it's not that's Mm. not how it works like yes love is it's a choice it's not it's not a feeling to love somebody is a choice and you have to actively choose that person and choose to co-create something you know more beautiful to deepen your your relationship to deepen your love rather than just Mm. expecting it to just well now I'm married so love me until the Mm. day that you die full stop like that's mm. that that's where it starts to you know that's what we did we didn't have any kind of intentionality about a relationship we did not pour any kind of you know growth or 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 time we didn't even really make dates do you know what i mean we just got married and we were like well that's that's that then and then when you don't when when we've discovered we couldn't have children that was when it was like holy shit like is this is this it like is this it mm. now then? Because this, <laughs> there's no there's no pouring in, and I think it gets exceptionally hard when people have children as well. You know, like to to pour the love into the relationship. But unless you take the time to co-create the relationship that you want, you can't keep blaming the other for not delivering what you need. And also, sometimes, and it is easier said than done because often we have unconsciously got into relationships with people who aren't able to love us in the way that we want to be loved because that's our story that's our wound and it doesn't mean that you can't grow in the relationship and it doesn't mean that just because you do the growth work that your relationship is going to end I want to be clear I know loads of people that have done loads of work on themselves and whose marriages have grown not because he's done the work as well but just because of energetically as you start to as you say, like communicate more, speak your truth, understand that, you know, asking for your needs to be met is really important, not just expecting the other person to magically know what you're thinking all the time. Like these Mm -hmm. are all things that we can bring into our relationship when we start to understand our own patterns in relationships that then start to shift, shift stuff for the other person as well. Yeah, amazing. I have a question around around this communication because I know that many people find it really hard communicating well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm still on that journey myself, being able to communicate my needs in a way that is not threatening. And I know that lots of people say that and it turns into this finger pointing. Well, you did. I want this, but then you did that and you did that. And then it just becomes we're all in a trauma vortex, you know, when when that when that happens. So how do you find, having done this work, how do you effectively communicate your needs now in your relationship? So one of the biggest, most important things is to always come from how you're feeling. Like if you if you always start with how you're feeling, the other partner, it's very hard for them to feel attacked. They might feel attacked if their story is that they're always in the wrong and they're always being attacked, but that's currently not your responsibility in this moment to always start with how I feel and it's like you could say something like when you don't when you don't do the dishes I feel fresh I feel sad because you know da 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 and it's like so it's very careful not to finger point it's like it's like you need to do the dishes more 
how have you not done the dishes again? Like your shit, you know, when you're pointing the finger at the other person, but when you're able to say how something makes you feel, it's very hard for the other person to argue with you. And there's also something called nonviolent communication, which is when you say that, um, I feel I need I request. So I feel sad. I I need you to I need to see you more. And so I request that maybe we put in a special date night this week or something like that, you know, and you can Google nonviolent communication. But it's really about trying to remain centered and grounded and not asking for things or not not pointing a finger when you are triggered. So when you are in a deeply you're in a heightened emotional state, take responsibility for your heightened emotional state before you then come and share with your partner. That was a huge thing. And I, you know, we had this special, um, we created a safe word. So when when one of us was um, experiencing a deep trigger, which we did a lot whilst we were trying to repair our marriage, it was very painful. Um, we would, the advice from our therapist was to say, I need to say, our word was pelican. <laughs> I need to say pelican. Um, and I'm going to come and, and um, you don't need to explain how you're feeling. You don't need to explain what's going on. You just have this, you are being triggered and you need to take space to go and look after your emotional situation. So you you say, I, I need to call Pelican. Um, let, I'd really like to reconnect with you in and however long you think. It might be like at lunchtime, at the end of the day, in an hour. And it's really important to always state when you're going to reconnect because otherwise the other person can feel abandoned. So that's really important. And you don't need to necessarily have the safe word. You can just say, I need to go and just deal with, I'm feeling really triggered right now. I need to just go and be with myself and then come back. And then when you've, once you have calmed down, once you have grounded, once you have meditated, cried, screamed into a pillow, gone for a walk, gone for a run, whatever you need to do to look after that inner child that is being really triggered in that moment, then you can come back into a safe, calm, grounded space with your partner if they are also feeling ground, calm and grounded and explain to them in that situation, you know, this is what happened. This is what happened to me then. And I think Brene Brown talks about it as well when she says, like, you can say the story that was in my head about what just happened and then create and explain to them because no doubt you are coming from your story. You're coming from your fishbowl about what happened in that moment and your partner's coming from their fishbowl and so you can't you're making assumptions about what they meant or what they did or what they said when you're coming from your adult rather than from your wounded inner child that's that is the key to creating mm. healthy communication in a in a marriage mm. or a relationship yeah beautiful thank you so much for that for someone who's listening who feels like they're never going to meet that person. And I suppose my it's a balance here around being fully complete by yourself and knowing that that's okay, but then also having this desire to really meet somebody. You know, I know that a lot, I know a lot of people in that trying to navigate that balance right now, but for somebody who's feeling like I haven't met that person I'm wanting to call them in and they're not here yet. Who's in that difficulty? What type of thing would you say to them? Oh, I would say, keep committing to yourself. 
like keep committing to loving yourself how much can you keep loving yourself how much can you keep being your own boyfriend your own best friend your own lover like I know that it sounds cliched I know that it's like yawn I remember when my therapist said that to me and I'd like eye roll at her but it really is it really is that and like trusting that you are that that if you keep doing the work to to be vibrating at the highest frequency that you can to keep healing your stuff to keep looking in, to keep being compassionate, to keep grounding into your own heart and your own authenticity, that you will attract somebody else who is vibrating at that same frequency. But the more energy that you put in to looking outside of yourself to fill the empty hole that you're feeling that you you want. And by the way, it's okay to want a relationship. It's okay to want love. I, you know, I don't want, like, I hate this message and I was definitely guilty of this as well. Like, oh, you know, I can just be on my own. Like, I, I'm absolutely fine on my own. Like, it's okay to want love. Like, of course. But if we keep, if our energy is constantly on the outside trying to find the thing or the man or like, oh, he's not the right one or is he the right one? Is You're going to, we end up in situationships which we should not well, never, nothing's ever a mistake because everything's a lesson. But the situationships that probably aren't the relationship that we really want to be in. And and so it's not about locking yourself up in your house and not dating anybody. Because I learned so much when I was dating after my marriage broke down. But what I did have was I had the reflection of my therapist and my coach um, who was helping me see where... I was falling back into old patterns and old and, and, and old and old wounds. And so it's 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 very easy when you are in that state of desperately wanting somebody to love you to hook on to anybody who is showing you attention. And so I would say just if you want to keep dating, cool, keep dating. You can keep dating and you can heal at the same time. That's not a problem. But just stay really really grounded and keep checking in with yourself with your body how is your body feeling in this situation with this person either in person or when you when you're at home and you're messaging each other how is my body feeling is there a sensation in my body is there fear that I'm mistaking for attraction and just being really really conscious of what's going on in here and if you, what is going on in your body? Is your body telling you something? Are you getting, like, I know this for anybody who doesn't do this work, but energetically, our body, if our body is getting sick in some way, if maybe we've got, like, if we're getting recurring thrush or recurring UTI or anything like that when we're dating somebody, that's normally because our body's actually screaming at us that this person isn't quite right for us. So we need to just listen to what's coming up, what's going on in our bodies physically as well and stop and 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 try and get out of your head too much mm. I was listening I remember listening to something which was so inspiring because it was talking about how we can attract somebody in our lowest vibration or mm-hmm. in our highest vibration and for me that was a real encouragement to be like wow I actually just I I want to continue to elevate into my highest vibration so that I can attract somebody who's in my highest vibration because otherwise it's gonna be way more tiring to have to date somebody who's like in a midway vibration (laughs) you know yeah no I'm ready to I'm ready to do that so continuing to elevate into our highest expression 
and then finding somebody to match us to match us in that exactly exactly like keep putting pouring all of that energy that you want to put out on the on the partners you're looking for and put it back into yourself and what more how can I invest more in myself how much more time can I invest in myself how much more connected can I be to myself and I Mm. think that's so interesting I actually was listening to a podcast recently and um you know when we come out of a big relationship uh you know a long-term relationship or marriage we are vibrating at such a low uh energy because you know we've just been through like devastation and so from that space we will be attracting other partners Mm. who are also vibrating at that very low frequency which is exactly what I did I mean it's literally like Mm. textbook um and then you know and so and but but through that it was like a you know it's a journey and also like I want to point out that none of this is quick none of this is quick work Mm. this work you know you've been doing the work for years I've been doing the work for years it is like the work (laughs) the work and like you know I even though it is work and even though it takes time I wouldn't change it for the world because Mm. I am like so much more connected to myself and my heart and we can talk about you know needing better communication in in relationships until we're blue in the face but what we actually really need is more open-heartedness Mm. And that comes from doing the work. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. A partnership that truly meets us in all the ways that we want to be met. And that's going to look and feel different for everybody. But how should that, how does that feel to be in a relationship which meets you in all the ways you want to be met when you're in your own authentic alignment with somebody else who's in their own authentic alignment how would you describe that for yourself um wow oh my goodness where do I begin well you know the first thing I can talk about is the relationship that I'm in right now and you know I ended up my marriage ended in 2021 and we spent a year really solidly working on the marriage we had couples counseling we had individual therapy I had a coach you know like I was I was so determined to get to the root and to like heal myself really. And, and now I am in a position where I am in a relationship because I have softened so much. Like I am so much more in my feminine energy than I ever was before. I was a little miss like control organized. Like I was the one who would be planning. I hated surprises. I couldn't receive love. Like, go, 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 go. And it's taken me to feel safe enough to be able to come into my heart and to let go of that armor that I was wearing my whole life, that I now am able to be in a relationship where I am with a man who's in his healthy masculine, who can lead, who can support me, who can create that container, which allows me to even more soften into my feminine. And on top of that, be able to I am now able to communicate my needs I had no idea how to communicate my needs I had no idea what my needs were I was so focused on the other the whole time um and all uh, you know codependent massive hugely codependent relationships up until now um speaking my truth like I did not speak my truth in any of my previous relationships I was so terrified because of childhood wounding but I was so terrified that if I spoke my truth I was going to lose love that I would just sit on it 
you know I just sat on my truth I sat on it because I was it was easier to just stay quiet um what else has it given me it's given me freedom like I feel so much more free than I did before my my relationship with my body is like completely changed my relationship with rest my relationship with um source like my spiritual awakening happened in all of that in that period of time as well like I really I could see where I was stuck so much in the matrix I could really see how much I was conditioned to be in a certain way and certain patterns of behavior that that now it's like I feel that I'm the most authentic version of me that that you know is possible in my life so far because I keep shedding the layers of stuff either wounding or conditioning familial or societal that I'm actually being able to you know, release and come further and further and further back to to me and in, in alignment to my soul mm, beautiful there is there is a whole it feels like there is a, a safe container for 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 me he provides the container for me to be in my in my flow in my feminine and not having to be the one that's always in control like he will I mean it's like it's like things you only dream of but even though they seem small they're actually huge like a man who is able to just say like right I've booked a table so be ready at seven o'clock we're going out for dinner tonight you know like that is incredibly sexy and it allows you know allows him to take the lead allowing him to be in control um you know not all the time but but he creates that safety so that then I can I can just be in flow I can be in my creativity and and that has been so powerful and so beautiful and and but I couldn't have called this in and actually I talked about this on Instagram today there's this whole thing around feminine and masculine polarity and how women need to be in their feminine and men need to be in their masculine in order for there to be successful relationships. And 100% I agree that polarity needs to be in place. But you can't just switch it on. You can't just suddenly turn on your feminine energy. You can't just turn on your masculine energy. You need to get to the root of why it wasn't safe for you to be in that energy in the first place. And so it's for, for me it feels in alignment because I am softening finally and and he is able to hold hold that whilst I'm mm. there well that sounds really good so- <laughs> <laughs> beautiful beautiful mm. thank you so much for sharing that okay. how can people work with you <laughs> come come work um so I do one-on-one I do one-on-one um containers I also run retreats come and check my website um which is www.alexcroxford.com and you can look at the most recent um retreats that i'm running and yeah and one-on-one work i'm thinking of doing a, an online group program at some point but um mm. that's my main focus at the moment amazing well thank you so much i mean keep doing what you're doing because this work is so needed it really is thank and you. you know i i don't know about you but I think having gone through the work that I did upon myself in the area of relationships, the relationship that I was able to call in is just beyond what my past self even thought was possible. And that's the inspiration behind doing this work. It's like, you know, we think maybe I could have that, but there'd be a but here and an if there. And what I 
was able to bring into my life was just beyond what I thought was possible. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. Like feeling love, like I didn't even know it was possible to feel this loved and this wanted and this desired and this, yeah, like safe. But I had to do the work to let that in, in order for it to come. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much Mm. for your time today, love. It's been epic. I could literally talk all afternoon about this. (laughs) (laughs) It would go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I loved it. I loved it. I hope that you found that conversation powerful and it gave you the inspiration to confront your own relationship demons and patterns and also the reassurance that healing and transformation is available and possible. All of Alex's information is available within the show notes if you want to reach out and I always love hearing your feedback, reflections and takeaways so you can contact me on Instagram at higherlove underscore with Megan or via my website higher-love.com. Do send this episode on to anybody else who'd benefit from the insight shared or if the theme spoke to you, please do take a moment to share, rate and review. Until next time, big love. Mm -hmm.